Stop fighting people. You need to stop arguing. Stop arguing with your spouse. Stop arguing with your wife, your husband. Stop it. Because I'm going to tell you something. When we argue, it's us trying to either win or convince. That's what we're doing. We're either trying to win or we're trying to convince. You don't win. Even if you convince, you don't win. The way we win is we acknowledge him, receive from him, say what he has for us to say, and leave it alone. You don't have to drop the mic. You don't have to shut the door and slam the door. You don't have to walk out. Because I'm going to tell you, it's a terrible thing for you to walk away from somebody who is talking to you. If you've said what you had to say, just stand there and suffer if you need to. But chances are, if you speak what Father has put in your heart to speak, it'll bring that argument down to a reasonable conversation. If nothing else, it'll shut the conversation down with things to ponder. The worst thing you can do is to speak what Father has spoken and then you see the person who is receiving what is being said and then you want to pile on top of that. Because when you start piling, you take that person out of pondering what Father has said and back to focusing on you yapping. Stop arguing. Stop fighting. Say what needs to be said and leave it alone. I just felt I needed to say that. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. This portion of scripture implies that Esau and Israel lived in proximity to each other. As we studied last week, they were in communication with each other because they came together to bury their father, Isaac. Many of the radical sects of the black Hebrew Israelite groups identify Caucasians or white people as Edomites, and much of what they have to say about Edomites is very derogatory and racist. Remember, Esau is the twin brother of Israel. The descendants of Esau are called Edomites. Edomites were not forbidden to become part of the congregation of Israel. They could also worship among the congregation after the third generation. The Edomites are the cousins of the Israelites. In this study, we will discuss the genealogical table of Esau's family. Today's study title is Esau and the Edomites. So, let's study. Well, today, brothers and sisters, we are dealing with the subject of Esau and the Edomites. And we're in Genesis chapter 36, uh, verse 1 says, Now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Esau here means Harry. And as we know, it's the eldest son of Isaac and Rebekah and twin brother of Jacob. Now, it's interesting, we know him as the elder, but he's also the twin. And so Esau, the name means Harry, and we're going to see another word, Seir, which has a similar definition. Edom means red, 
And so in the uh, Torah, it deals with, and in the Old Testament or the Tanakh, Edom is also where we get the word Edomite. The descendants of Edom or Esau are Edomites. Another term that comes up later is Adamia. Adamim are descendants of Esau. And one of the famous Adamians in the New Testament was the king of Israel during the time of Yeshua, Herod. Herod was an Edomite. And Edom is referred to as the land of Edom, also Adumia, which is a land south and southeast of what is been known as Palestine. Esau, as we learned earlier on, and these things grieved his mom and his dad. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and Ohilibama, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. And so we see these words Hittite and we see Hivite. The Hittites were descendants of Ham through Heth. So they were Hamites. And Heth was the second son of Canaan. The Hivites were descendants of Ham through Canaan also. And some say they are the same as the Horites, which we're going to see in verse number 20. And then there's Bashemoth, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nabajoth. Now, when Esau found out, when he heard that it grieved his father and his mother that he had married these daughters of Canaan. Then he went and found a wife amongst the daughters of Ishmael. And we know that Ishmael was Isaac's brother. Ishmael was a descendant of Abraham. And so Esau, Abraham's grandson, married a Ishmaelite. Many of the names that are mentioned in this passage will be named numerous times, but many will be the same person. They'll just, we'll be looking at their titles. And here it says, And Adar bare to Esau Eliphaz, and Bashemath bare Ruel, and Aholibama bare Jeush, and Jalam, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him, in the land of Canaan. And what we're going to do mostly is going to read, but again, we're going to highlight some of these verses. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan and went into the country from the face of his brother, Jacob which I slash Israel. As we've pointed out, as we've gone through, from the time Jehovah changed Jacob's name to Israel, for some reason or another, the translators seem to go back and forth with Jacob and with Israel, even in this verse, and sometimes within the proximity of a few verses. The verse here that Esau moved implies that Esau and Israel lived in proximity to each other. Now we know that when 
Israel or Jacob at the time came out of Padam Aram that his brother Esau met him and they went in separate directions. Jacob told Esau that he would meet him later and Esau heard, I suspect, that he would meet him in Seir because that's where Esau came from. But Jacob went in a different direction and later he was instructed after the circumstance with his daughter and the sons of Shechem to go up to Bethel. And so now, as we studied last week, they were in communications with each other because they came together to bury their father Isaac when he died. In Genesis 35, verse 29, Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob, or Esau and Israel, buried him. So they, although they didn't live in the same area, they lived in proximity of each other, and we are not fully sure why Esau decided that he would move far away as the verse states that he went into the country from the face of his brother. And Isaac verse 29, chapter 35 gave up the ghost as we read. And then back to chapter 36, verse seven says for their riches were more than that. They might dwell together and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir, and Esau is Edom. So the translator here, uh, Moses, is letting us know that Esau and Edom is the same person. So when you hear Edom, you think Esau. When you hear Edomite, you think of the descendants of Esau. And this is important, as I'll point out here in a moment. Seir means hairy or shaggy. Now, it's interesting that Esau, (laughs) remember when we looked back at the meaning of Esau, it says that Esau means hairy. And so Seir, which existed before Esau, because Esau moved to Seir, which means that Seir was a country before Esau moved there. And they both mean Harry. Verse nine, and these are the generations of Esau. And here Moses lets us know that Esau was the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. Esau was the father or Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. Now, the interesting thing here is Edomites and Edom is the same word or have the same Hebrew association. Edom equals red. Edom equals Edomite, Adumian, descendants of Esau, the land of Edom. Same definition for the word Edomite as we saw as the word Edom. And here's where it gets interesting, because many of the radical sects of the black Hebrew Israelite groups identify Caucasians or white people as Edomites. Some of you all have probably heard of this. Some of you haven't. I've had several people. As a matter of fact, looking back, I've seen where, you know, there's been a couple of people who have left our congregation because they wanted to be among 
individuals that were of the same pigmentation. And I found it quite weird, but after trying to explain to them, you know, it's like, what can you do? There are mindsets out there. There is the internet. There's teachings on the internet. There are people who are propagating a doctrine that they claim to come from scripture that is not scripture. (laughs) And so they say, as a matter of fact, I had one person that just told me flat out the reason why I didn't want to hear him is because I had too many Edomite friends. (laughs) It's like, really? And so, of course, I had to tell him about himself. And there you have it. And so much of what they have to say about Edomites is very derogatory and racist. Now, we have to first remember Esau is the twin brother of Israel. So if Edomites are Caucasians, so is Israelites, right? They were twins. But the Israelites want to identify the Edomites, their twin, (laughs) as a different color. But that's them. The descendants of Esau, as we saw, are called Edomites. Now, when we go further into the Torah, we, I'm going to pull some out, a couple of verses here in just a moment. Edomites were not forbidden to become part of the congregation of Israel. I heard some Hebrew Israelites say that they don't mind having Edomites in their congregation, but they understand that the Edomites' purpose is to serve the Israelites. <laughs> it's like, really? Okay, I, get, I hear you. The Edomites were not forbidden to become part of the congregation of Israel. They could also worship among the congregation after the third generation. The Edomites are the cousins of the Israelites. And here's what Jehovah had to say to Moses to tell the true Israelites. This is the biblical Israelites, because you got some folks who call themselves Israelites that are not biblical Israelites just as they say that there are some, some Jews that are not true Jews or, or, or Israelites who claim to be Israelites but are not Israelites. You know, it's just all of this confusion. But here's what the scriptures say. Verse 7, Deuteronomy 23, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite. A true Israelite will never abhor an Edomite if they are true Israelites or if they're holding to the Torah. Why? because he's your brother. Now, I didn't make this stuff up. I'm just pointing out what is written. See, here's what I found about people. People have a tendency to take a verse and build a doctrine off of that verse. And much of what they say in building that doctrine off of that verse is always going to point to that verse. Now, we know that by two or three witnesses, every word must be established. And therefore, there are some verses that if you weren't aware of other verses that a person could stand on, that there are other verses that will contradict their doctrine. It's not contradicting the verse, it's contradicting the doctrine that have been built off of a verse. Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is your 
brother. And so I say that to all of the black Hebrew Israelites out there who are whoring Edomites, calling them all kinds of names, when according to scripture, that's your brother. Thou should not. And then father even go, because see, we have to remember that the Torah points to the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, he helps us understand the Torah. He doesn't do away with the Torah. He doesn't abolish the Torah, but he gives us understanding of the Torah. And therefore, when he tells us to love our enemies, what he's trying to get us to understand is you got to understand that all of us come from the same parent. When we trace our genealogy, see, your genealogy don't go back to Ireland. Your genealogy don't go back to Israel because before there was an Israel, there was a Canaan. Before there was a Canaan, there was an Eden. And every human being on the planet, every person who called themselves a living being, trace their genealogy back to Adam and Mrs. Adam. We all come from the same parents. That's a fact, Jack. So you could say we, you come from Africa or you come from the Netherlands or, or you come from some island or you come from some other country. It doesn't matter what country you come from. If you trace your genealogy back to that, then your existence became when that country became a country. But you're, the people who established the country came from somewhere. And so, Father, in, in giving the Torah, and then Messiah come in to help us to understand the Torah. We are not only not to abhor the Edomite, but you shall not abhor an Egyptian. Now, there are people out there that follow Egyptology. I know a pastor, a pastor who, you know, he was a pastor and then he became a moray. <laughs> He came into Torah and he became a moray, a teacher. And then he transitioned from becoming a moray to becoming a Egyptian. And next thing I see is he's doing hieroglyphics and talking about Ra and, and ancestor worship and all of the things that is associated with that. And the claim is that the Israelites stole the commandments and the Torah from the Egyptians. <laughs> you know, and there's some, I, I had another Muslim friend in Michigan who were telling me because as a Muslim and a historian who traces his roots and lineages all the way back to Egypt, uh, that much of what we have in the Torah came from the writings of the Egyptians. And so you have black Hebrew Israelites who want to usurp the identity of the true biblical Israelites. And then you have Egyptians who want to take on the Torah, the instruction that was given to the Israelites. And you've got all of these variations of sects 
and teachings that will cause a great deal of confusion if you didn't know any better. And that's one of the reasons why, brothers and sisters, we became a teaching ministry. Because if we just preach at you and not get you grounded and rooted in Scripture, you'll be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And I've seen so many people being tossed to and fro, people that you thought were solid. And come to find out their foundation is on sand. It's not on a, on a rock. And so we are building a foundation on the rock of scripture. So we will not be moved by every wind of doctrine, by every new fad or, you know, God is doing something new. <laughs> the Bible clearly says that everything that is being done has been done before. There's nothing new under the sun. Now, what has happened is that the revelation of what father want to do and have done is being interpreted by various people in various ways in their prophetic. I, I uh, ran across an old individual who I was the pastor and he was the prophet. And I, I was watching him on Facebook this morning. And I tell you, man, there, there's just a lot of slicksters. There's a lot of slick stuff going on. And for people who aren't solid in their faith, who aren't grounded in scripture, they go for a lot of this stuff. And it's like, if you just took time to listen to some of the stuff these individuals are, are saying, you will realize real quick, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just regurgitating stuff. <laughs> So he says, thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because there were, you were a stranger in his land. Now, this is interesting. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of Jehovah. What is he saying? The Egyptians will be able to enter into the congregation of Jehovah in the third generation. The Edomites will be able to enter into the congregation Put that back up because I want you all to get this. Deuteronomy 23, 8, the children that are begotten of them, of who? The Edomites and the Egyptians. Why? Because the congregation, the house of Jehovah is to be a house of prayer for all nations, not just Israelites in all those nations, but all nations. Why? Because the earth is Jehovah's, the fullness thereof. He's not just concerned about the Israelites. He's concerned about all people. And if we have the heart of Jehovah, what would be our concern? We would be concerned about the very things that he's concerned about. So instead of being out there cussing out people because they ain't the same color you are and treating people differently because they're not the same color or the race that you are, if you had the heart of the Almighty, you would put away all that foolishness. I don't want to be fellowshipping with them white people. Really? Where's that coming from? It's coming from a wind of doctrine, brothers and sisters, that has no place among true people of faith. So he says, listen, I know the, e and, and, and remember, he said, I'm going to destroy the Egyptians, right? This is what he's giving to the Israelites 
after he has delivered them out of Egypt and destroyed the Pharaoh and his army. He says, don't abhor an Egyptian. Why? They're going to be in fellowship with you. But understand, even when you were in bondage, and I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters, this is powerful for us. Regardless to how you feel about America, regardless to how you feel about whatever nation you may be in, we may be strangers in the land. We may be in, you know, outside of, of the land that Father is going to bring us all into, <laughs> in exile. But here's the thing, and this is the lesson that he's trying to say. Even while you were in bondage, I clothed you. I fed you. I took care of you. And what did I do? I used the very land that you were in to sustain you. So don't abhor the people. And, and, you know, when you hear this, I can hear Messiah saying, in all things, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. It doesn't mean I give thanks for what's happening to me. What I'm giving thanks for is in the midst of what's happening to me, he is sustaining me. I'm able to suffer long because he has given me the ability to suffer long. I can put up with what I'm dealing with. I can go through what I'm dealing with. And you might be saying, you know, this is just too much. I can't deal with it. You can't deal with it, but he can. So what do you do? Get in him. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Well, I don't like my wife. Well, I don't like my husband. Well, I don't like my job. Well, I don't like my city. Well, I don't like my state. Well, I don't like my country. Well, I don't like the president. I don't like this. I don't like that. Get over it. Stop complaining. Give thanks in what? In all things. Because if we learn to give thanks, we got to understand something that the reason why you're where you are is because a father is allowing you there. If he wanted you to be removed from that situation, he would take you out. So if he's leaving you there and you crying out, oh God, deliver me. And don't, don't stop crying out. You know, the Israelites cried out for a lot of years. And when father got ready, because your crying is not going to move him before he's ready to move. Right? When the time comes, and generally it's like in the fullness of time, and I interpret that when you learn your lesson, when you get what he's trying to show you. See, here's why it's important to get what he's trying to show you in the midst of your mistreatment. If you get what he's trying to show you when he deliver you, you're not going to have ill feelings. You're not going to want revenge. You're not going to be looking for the big payback. Why? Because you're growing in the midst of that. You're learning to have compassion, even for those who may be wronging you. Messiah tells us that we are to pray for those who despitefully use us, misuse us, take advantage of us. And so father is saying, don't abhor the Edomites. Yeah, there's going to be some conflict, some issues, but don't abhor them. Esau had an issue with Jacob and then Israel. And yet father dealt with Esau, preserved Israel, 
and then gave Israel the land Esau was dwelling in and displaced Esau in the process. But when he displaced Esau, he took Esau in a land and displaced the people of the land and made the land that he displaced Esau and put him in the land of Esau. See, father has what he has for you. Nobody can take it. Can't nobody steal what he has for you. If somebody can steal it, you probably didn't need it. (laughs) Hallelujah. Obviously, they needed it more than you. The names mentioned that we just mentioned will be repeated in the following verse. Verse 10, these are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau. Raul, the son of Bashamat, the wife of Esau. And the sons of Eliphaz were Timon, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. And Timna was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son. And she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Reol, Nahath, and Zerah, Shemah, and Mizah. These were the sons of Bashamat, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Aholibama, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, Esau's wife. And she bare to Esau, Jeush, and Jalem, and Korah. And here I have a genealogical table where if you see up in the upper left-hand corner, the separated red line, that's dealing with Abram and Hagar's concubine. But the lines that go down are generally associated with the descendants. And so we see that Esau in the red lines are the three wives, Bashamath, Adar, and Oholibama. And these individuals Uh, the lines under them would be their children and then grandchildren or the sons of their sons. And again, if that's something you all are interested in, just send us through the contact us and we're going to make this slide available to you anyway. But if that map you want, you can just simply request it. Many of the names mentioned here uh, by the title Duke are mentioned earlier. Verse 15. These are dukes, the dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, Duke Temin, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, Duke Kenaz. So now we're seeing these names, you know, for the second and third time. A duke is a chief in some of the verses of the Bible. The duke is like a chief of a particular region, uh, much similar to a, a governor or something of that nature. In general, a duke is a leader of a clan. It's like a tribal chief. And you'll see even in Israel, they had chief rulers. Chief rulers were generally the leader of that particular tribe. Because not only did you have the tribe of Judah, but Judah's children became tribes. And so, you know, the progenitor of a a Judean would have tribes. And during the time when we get to Egypt, we're going to see that Jacob, Israel had multiplied. His children had multiplied. Their children had multiplied. And so now you've got all of these chiefs and the chief again 
is the ruler of a particular tribe. Now, I'm the tribe of Bailey, Arthur, you would, but I have, I have five sons. And when those sons bear children, they will have tribes. So my tribes will have tribes. And then their tribes will, will have tribes. And though if I was a Judean or Judah, we would all be Judeans, but we would all have separate tribes. And so when we look at Yeshua, although Yeshua came from Judah, <laughs> there was a particular bloodline of Judah. It wasn't just the bloodline would go all the way back to Judah. But Judah had tribes, and Judah's tribes had tribes, and Judah's tribes had tribes, and that's why we have what we know today as the genealogy, which we can trace Messiah back through. Duke Korah, Duke Gatam, Duke Amalek, these are the dukes that came out of Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Adar, and these are the sons of Reol, Esau's son, Duke Nahath, Duke Zerah, Duke Shema, Duke Miza. These are the dukes that came of Reuel in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Bashemet, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Aholibama, Esau's wife, Duke Jeush, Duke Jalem, Duke Korah. These were the dukes that came of Aholibama, the daughter of Anna, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Esau, who is Edom. And these are their dukes. And so now there's a transition. When Esau the Edomite and his clans entered the land of Seir, it was already inhabited by a people called Horites or Hittites. But the land would later become the land of Edom. And so in verse 20, although in verse 1 it says these are the sons or the descendants of Esau, verse 20 and the following verses are not related to Esau. These are the people that were in the land. And if you look at the map that I put up here a moment ago, in one of those, you will see that over to the right is Sierra. If you look between Lotan and Shobal, you will see that Sierra had a daughter and that, land, that line goes all the way down to Timnah. Timnah married Eliphaz, one of Esau's sons, through his wife, Adar. And so what you see now is intermarry between Esau and Seir. And so when you begin to look at the intermarriage that go on, if you really paid attention to the genealogies that are, that are in the Bible, you will find for anybody to talk about some kind of pure race is folly. I mean, it's just straight up folly. But you got folks who want to keep their race pure. It's like it ain't pure, bro. It's not pure. There's all kinds of mixture up in there. And so when we get to it, we find that they enter this land and there were already people inhabiting the land. And in verse number 20, it starts out, these are the sons of Seir. Now, Seir is not a descendant of Esau. 
Seir was already there in the land of Seir. The Horite who inhabited the land, Lodan and Shabal and Zibion and Anna and Dishon and Ezer and Dishon. These are the dukes of the Horites, not the Edomites. These are the dukes of the Horites, the children of Seir in the land of Seir, but that land would become the land of Edom. And the children of Lotan were Hori and Heman, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. Timnah was the one that Eliphaz married. And the children of Shobal were these. Now notice it says, And the children of Lotan was Hori, Heman, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. So Timnah was a woman. And the children of Shobal was these, Alvin, and Manahat, and Ebal, Shepho and Onam, and these are the children of Zibion, both Aja and Anna. This was that Anna that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zibion, his father. And so what the writer is doing is going forward to talk about an event that has not yet happened and associated with this person. And the children of Anna were these, Dishon and Aholibama, Aholibama, the daughter of Anna. So Aholibama is the daughter of Anna and the wife of Esau, right? And these are the children of Dishon, Hemden, and Ishban, and Ithron, and Cheron. The children of Ezer are these, Bilhan, and Zavon, and Akan. The children of Dishon are these, Uz, and Aran. These are the dukes that came of the Horites, Duke Lodan, Duke Shobal, Duke Zebion, Duke Anna, Duke Dishon, Duke Ezer, Duke Dishon. These are the dukes that came of Hori among their dukes in the land of Seir. See, now it refers to it as the land of Seir, whereas before it called it the land of Eden. It is not the land of Eden at the time. It is the land of Seir. Edom or the Edomites would eventually inhabit the land and the, those who are of Seir would be, how do you put it, rolled into or driven out. The kings that reign in the land of Edom before any Israelite king. And so what Moses here is doing is that he's trying to paint some pictures for us because there's certain language here that we're going to understand later and we'll have a reference point when we get there to point back to what is, what is being communicated here. Why? The kings that reign in the land of Eden before any Israelite king. So what is he's trying to say here? A king is a melech, a royal. There's a royal line. Now, we know today that the royal line of Israel was Judah. But that happened many, 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 many years later. Saul was the first king of Israel, and he was not of the line of Judah. You see. So Moses is telling us in verse 31, and these are the kings that reign in the land of Eden. And then he gives us this footnote before there reign any king over the children of Israel. You see, for many years, Israel was a nation without a king surrounded by nations who were ruled by kings. And eventually, they're going to want to be like the nations around them. 
If we're not careful, the people of God will want to be like the nations around them. They'll start looking like them, acting like them, dressing like them, doing the things that they do. And you know what's interesting? If you go to a rated R movie and you're sitting there and you're looking at the people coming in and out, chances are you will not be able to distinguish the sons and daughters of Jehovah from the sons and daughters of the world. If you go to the bar, <laughs> nightclub, wherever you go, because let me tell you something, the sons and daughters of Jehovah are in those places. We can look strange as we want, but they're in those places. Some of the musicians are in those places, playing in those places, and then bringing their craft into the house of God. Musicians for hire. <laughs> Hirelings, hirelings to the highest bidder. <laughs> and so Israel for a long time was surrounded by nations who had kings, although they didn't have a king, but they had the king of kings and didn't realize that they had a king, but instead of wanting to be the servants of that king, they wanted to be the servants of men. They wanted a man to rule over them. So when father brings them to the mountain in Exodus chapter 20, and he begins to talk to him and say, no, 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 no. We don't want you talking to us. Give us a man. <laughs> and to this day, people are looking for men to rule over them. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be our guide. Father is supposed to be our king. We're supposed to be led by him, not by men. And today, people are looking for a king, a president, a prime minister, or community leader. They're looking for somebody to speak for them. When Father has called us all to be spokesmen. And, and here's what I see. Here's what I see today, especially with all of the things that are going on around the world. And if we just look at some of the things that have happened in the last month with the different community policing and citizens arrests and, you know, individuals who are making false accusations against individuals and police brutality and just the, the community violence that is going on, you're finding that many who are called to be proclaiming the truth of the message is taking on the messages of the world because they're looking at a Martin Luther King who became a spokesperson for the community. I I'm thankful for Martin Luther King. Don't get me wrong. But Martin Luther King had a mixed gospel message. His message was not the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm looking, preachers and, and, and people, they're putting their voice to the world circumstance and situations, identifying the, the disparities among the world. Here's one of the, the most challenging things I think we as a people will always be faced with. We live in two worlds. There is the world and its system. And there's the kingdom of Jehovah. 
can I be a voice for the world and a voice for the kingdom? That becomes a challenge because in order to do both, that means that I have two masters. Now some say, well, you should be able to do both. You're a preacher. You're a representative of the people. You're rep- no, I'm a representative of the kingdom. My presence here on the earth is not to represent my community. I'm not a community voice. I used to be a community voice. I used to be a community leader. <laughs> but my voice now is not to advocate for community. It's to advocate for kingdom. And I have a word for the community. The community needs to repent. The community needs to turn. See, the community will take the preacher's voice as long as the preacher is speaking for the community. But the moment the preacher starts preaching for the kingdom, the people who follow the preacher preaching for the community will turn their back on the preacher. I I see what's going on out there, but the world should be able to handle the world issues. You get this. They got police, they got sheriffs, they got mayors, they got, they got representatives, they got commissioners, county commissioners, city commissioners, state representatives, senators, representatives, houses of representatives on the state level. They got house of representatives, senators on the federal level, president. They got all this resource and all this power. And people talking about speaking truth to power. Really? The power is not in the commissioner's chair. The power is not in the governor's chair. In fact, the power is not even in the president's chair. We struggle. Our wrestle is not with flesh and blood, folks. We have a supernatural mission to deal with the authorities and the real power in heavenly places. And the only way we're going to deal with that is the gospel of the kingdom, not some mixed message. Everybody needs to repent. The president needs to repent. The senators need to repent. Congress need to repent. The state house, the white house, (laughs) your house. We all need to repent and turn back to God. Turn our hearts back to the one who has called us and only them with clean hands and a pure heart is going to be able to enter in. So don't let people usurp your voice and don't be putting your voice to the wrong thing. You want to speak truth to power? Then you deal with the supernatural entities that is trying to take over the power source over the lives of people. Father didn't call us to be speaking to the governors called us to be speaking to the king. And right now we don't have one. So who do we speak to the people? If you could say anything and nobody's listening, nobody's listening to these preachers in the, in the world. No way. Maybe a few people in their church, but they ain't listening. Don't allow the devil or the world to usurp your voice. You have a voice, and the Bible says to us what Father reveals to us in the secret. We're to shout it from the rooftop. Folks out there trying to protect stuff and things. We are supposed to be concerned about the soul of a nation. 
And the soul of a nation is its people. Can you hear me? We have a gospel to preach to every creature. Hallelujah. And that, again, it's not to ignore what's going on around us. You see, we're kingdom people, kingdom leaders, kingdom leaders. Remember that. Stand for what is kingdom worthy. Verse 32, and Bela, the son of Beor, reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Dinhabah. And Bela died, and Jobab, Jobab, the son of Zerah, of, <laughs> yeah, Jobab, Jobab, the son of Zerah, of Basra, reigned in his stead. And Jobab died, and Husham, of the land of Timani, reigned in his stead. And Husham died. And see, all these folks, they just died. You see, they, they dying and somebody else reign. That's what's going to happen to us. Let me tell you something, folks. We all going to die. Unless Messiah Terry, we all going to die. Now, here's the thing. Have you made an impact in the world? And if you haven't, what you're waiting on? And if you have, keep on trucking. <laughs> right? Because we're going to die. And, and my goal is, and this is why it's so important, for us, if I don't know the plan and the purpose for the Almighty individually for my life, I've got a lot of his plan before me that is written. One of the first things that I want to do, one, is I want to make sure that he owns me. And if he owns me, that means that his word is how I govern my life. Now, I understand what the psalmist says. I hide your word in my heart so that I don't sin against you. See, if you don't have his word in, his heart, in your heart, how are you going to keep from sinning against him? And guess what? The psalmist didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The psalmist had his commandments. His commandments, his word was a light. His word was a lamp, you see. And so if we take his word and we hide his word in our heart and we start applying, then we're going to live, we're going to live a life that is worthy, right? If we take his word and we live his word, you know what's going to happen? There's a couple of things that I know is going to happen. One is that you're going to be transformed from the inside. But two, the favor of the Almighty is going to be upon you. See, the favor of the Almighty is there to cause you to walk through certain doors, to have access to certain people, to have access to certain resources. His favor is going to be there because now the people around you is going to hopefully see his favor upon your life. They may not even like you, but they ain't blind, <laughs> right? They're going to say stuff about you. They're going to, they're going to make up stuff on you. They're going to lie on you. They're going to demonize you. They're going to do everything within their power to cause you because understand something they can't stop you, but if they can get in your head, if they can get in your spirit, then what do they do? They'll cause you to doubt. That's the whole purpose of the enemy is to cause you to doubt because when you doubt, you're unsure. When you're unsure, you're stagnant. You don't know which way to go. You don't know to go right. You don't know to go to left. You got all this information all this conflicting information and you don't want to make a mistake. So what do you do? Nothing. 
That's what the enemy is trying to do is cause you to do nothing. Because if you don't do nothing, he knows that the day is coming when you're going to have to give an account for whether or not you did what you were supposed to do. But because you, you don't want to be like the guy who had the talent, he didn't know what to do, so he buried it. <laughs> so see what you gave me? I got it. No, you're supposed to be multiplying. You're supposed to be fruitful. You're supposed to be reproducing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so if I hide his word in my heart, what's going to happen is I'm going to get transformed. But when I hide his word in my heart and I begin to walk accordingly, guess what? His favor is going to be upon me. And when his favor is going to be is upon me as I go, just like we saw with Jacob, Israel, the terror of God goes before him. Folks will talk about you, but they'll get out your way when you walk up with the confidence in him. They'll move. Now, if you walk in like you're not sure, ain't nobody moving. <laughs> but if you walk with authority, if you walk like you somebody, you walk like you got power, you walk like you know him. The Bible says that those who know him shall be what? Strong. You're not walking weak. That don't mean you're walking with, you know, no, no dap. That means you're walking like you know where you're going. You're not one of them persons driving, you know, people blowing the horns at them. You, you're driving like you're on a mission. You're walking like you're on a mission. You're talking like you're on a mission. And you know what you're talking about. If you're taught and you're a disciple, when you speak, you speak with authority. Come across a lot of these folks whose pastors ain't been teaching them, but just preaching at them. Giving them nice fluffy messages. Making them feel all, you know, ooey gooey inside. Oh, that's so nice, so sweet. Oh, I love you, pastor. I love you, pastor. That's wonderful having ooey gooey messages. However, your message better have some substance. It should put some concrete in your heels. So that when you walk, <laughs> you're walking like you somebody. You know your stuff. Hallelujah. These people, they came and they went. And Hadad, verse 36, died. And Samla of Masrachah reigned in his stead. And, and Samla died. And Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his stead. And Saul died. And, and Baal, Hanan, Baal Hanan, the son of Akbar, reigned in his stead. And Baal Hanan, the son of Akbar, died. And Hadar reigned in his stead. And the name of his city was Pau. And his wife's name was Mehetabal, Mehetabel the daughter of Matriot, the daughter of Mezahab. And these are the names of the dukes that came of Esau, according to their families, after their places, by their names. Now, I got this one and another one bold. Duke Timnah, Duke Timnah, Duke Alva, Duke Jetheth. And I did Timnah because Timnah was most likely a woman. Remember, we saw Timna earlier. She was the daughter of Seir. Timna or Timna restrained is what it means. The chief, a chief or duke of Esau and of Edom, the concubine of Eliphaz, the son of Esau, the daughter of Seir, the Horite, and Lotan's sister. You see that? A duke, a female Duke, but she wasn't the only one. And Timna was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. 
These were the sons of Adar, Esau's wife. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Adar and the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and Aholibamah, the daughter of Anna, the daughter of Zebion, the Hittite. See, Aholibamah was a woman. She was Esau's wife. And guess what? She was a duke. She was a chief. Duke Kenaz, Duke Timon, Duke Mibzah, Duke Magdiel, Duke Aram. These be the dukes of Edom, according to their habitations in the land of their possession. He is Esau, the father of the Edomites. And that is the last slide. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.